Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forums webinar and podcast series, Israel Insider, this week with Alex Selsky. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Alex Selsky, a senior advisor to the Middle East Forums Israel Victory Project, join us this week to update us on all the events going on in Israel. Mr. Selsky will give, be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I will turn the discussion over to Mr. Alex Selsky. Hello, dear friends. It's me again, week after week, uh, replacing Ashley. Ashley just doesn't feel well, so uh, we all pray for his health, and I'm replacing him. Well, we have a very interesting week and actually a very interesting day. Uh, from one hand, uh, you know, we still... Uh, um, in the, I may say, in the same even stage in the coalitional negotiations because they are not closed yet. We don't have a government formed and we don't have yet um, coalitional agreements with all the parties, with all the major parties. But we do have progress, which is very interesting and can show us and teach us about the future. And we have a interesting a, things happen. We have a very, very interesting interview that Benjamin Netanyahu gave it to a former New York Times a journalist a, and gave very interesting insights into his security and a, international policy, politics, vision, which we will, we will speak about. And also another issue that I would like to touch is something that is a very sensitive, very central, and very important, I think, even for this talk, because it touches the relationship between Israel and American Jewry very much. And if it's about American Jewry, it's about America, which is the change of law of return. So let's go go to the beginning and start from the first point. So as I said, the government is not formed yet. And the major, uh, the major challenge at the moment, exactly as it was last week, is the agreement with uh, the religious Zionist party head by, headed by Bezalel uh, Smotrich. Uh, we have lots of information, lots of briefings, lots of um, blame trade from both sides, but we see that the negotiations have progress. Now, what we see uh, is two very interesting things. First, we see that it's not so easy. And I said that a week ago, that it means that, you know, we all thought that here it comes, uh, you know, uh, government, the dream government of Netanyahu having 64 mandates, and now it's so clear that it's, as we say in Hebrew, you know, fully right-wing government, so there will be full consensus, and it will be formed so easily, and will uh, 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 govern, you know, with... Uh, uh, will with consensus and full understanding between the players for three or four or five years maybe by the way some speak about a possibility that this government may be uh, uh, may be uh, will be governing even close to five years uh, 
uh, or, or even more. I will not get into it. It's some very specific thing, and not sure it will happen. But um, but here we see that there are big tensions between the players, and uh, there is much of a misunderstanding. There is much of political tension and something that is so clear you know that the zionist religious party got 14 altogether together with benger who is additional party but again is uh, uh within the 14 so you know apparently and very uh, we can expect that smart rich will get something very very a uh, high very significant position and he wants to be the defense minister and Netanyahu doesn't give him now why Netanyahu doesn't give him it's a very good question now we some may say that Netanyahu doesn't want to give him security ministry because of the potential tension with the United States that how come he can give uh, such a such a sensitive and significant uh, ministry to right wing you know some will say extreme right wing a, a politician but i would like to remind you that in the past he gave it to bogey alone who then was portrayed definitely as a very right wing and then he gave it to liberman who was definitely portrayed as the you know hawk i think that even the you know the the perception of a hawk of liberman then was maybe even stronger than the perception of a hawk of Smotrich today and then he gave it to Bennett who definitely was you know accepted as a hawk and and, and you know and and government survived and the country survived and, and Netanyahu survived now he neutralized them also very well and put them into you know his very cautious policy but I'm saying that because I think that this is not necessarily the reason. Some say that maybe the reason that he doesn't give the security ministry to Smotrich and at the moment keeps it to himself can be two. One is definitely keeping it within Likud. So maybe he thinks about someone from Likud to give it to. It can definitely be Yoav Gallant, major uh, um, general uh, in reserve, very respected one, the one that uh, should have been a chief of staff was not given to because of political tension. So definitely, he is. I think, at least in in the in in the public opinion, I don't know if it's in Netanyahu's head, but in the public opinion, he is maybe the number one nominee. But there is another version which I hope we'll know soon the answer. But the other version is that it might be that Netanyahu doesn't want now to give the security ministry because he keeps it to a potential um, additional expansion of the coalition. Now, who can it be? It can be Gantz. Now, I would like to remind you that Gantz in the last elections run together with Gidon Saar. Now, we cannot assume that Gidon Saar will join the government with Netanyahu. He said that, and I think we might believe, even though in Israeli politics, you know, I don't think that we can trust uh, 
promises after what Bennett did, I think promises, you know, is not something that we can count in. But in this case, I would put, you know, uh, I, I would put a lot of percentage, uh, big chances that Gideon Sar will not move. But if even he will not move, I think that if Gantz will come with his mandates only within his faction, without the mandates of Gideon Sar, which are four, taking his six, it's a lot. But it's more than a lot. It's, it, it gives to Netanyahu a possibility to keep all three major um, uh, partners who he expects tensions with Smotrich and Bengvir, keeping them on low, you know, fire, saying, you know, it's no problem. You want to leave, leave, because Smotrich is seven, and uh, and um, Benvir is six, so uh, and Gantz will be six. So after, if Gantz is in, so Netanyahu will have seventy-one. So from seventy-one, you can subtract six or seven easily. So it gives him a possibility to uh, much more much more easily govern and control the government in each one of those players who definitely can, you know, cause tensions to him and leverage and pressure, he will say, okay, no problem, you can live. Uh, I definitely think that it crossed his mind. I definitely, I'm definitely sure it crossed his mind. I'm definitely sure that it's something that he would be very, um, he would really like to do. I'm not sure he, it, it it will happen though i remind you again that he already once brought guns in and you know fooled him just fooled him and everybody everybody spoke that guns will be fooled and he was uh, now on one hand you may say you know guns already learned the lesson he would not do that never but you know uh, i would like to quote you know a very very beloved book of mine and of many and definitely many Israelis you know the alchemist by Paulo Kell and there is a very very popular saying there that things that happen once you know apparently will not happen second time but things that happen twice uh, very definitely will happen third time I think that uh, you know after uh, Gans was kind of I think, fooled by Netanyahu. And I think Gantz was, the last elections, also fooled uh, by Gidon Sar, if you ask me, telling him stories that together they will form a government. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count out a possibility that Gantz can be convinced. And also, by the way, Gantz, I think, is a very kind of, you know, naive in, in a good way politician, meaning that he really, really thinks about the values, about, you know, the goals and about the country. So if he understands that it's good for the stability and for the goals of the government for, you know, dealing with Iran and Saudi, Saudis and 
Palestinians and economy and everything, I definitely think he might do that. So that's about the government. Now, Shas is not fully closed yet, but, but we do see things in closure. Uh, now, I would like to speak about the interview of Netanyahu and then go back to law of return, which, which is connected to some of the closures. I will go fast because we're already in 12 minutes. So uh, Netanyahu gave a very interesting interview that relates to us, to Middle East Forum and to Israel Victory Project very much. And he said a very interesting things. When he was asked what will be his goals um, during this term, he said that uh, the first goal will be to prevent Iran from, uh, he said, from eliminating Israel. I don't, I doubt and I wonder if he, no, doesn't exaggerate, but let, let's believe that that's what he thinks. I don't think that there is a country on earth that can destroy Israel, but, you know, he has or more information uh, or more motivation. Uh, so, but that's what he names his first goal, preventing Iran from ability, uh, from having nuclear weapons. And second, to bring he said, you know, to expand the circle of peace and to make peace with Saudis. And he says that it will actually de facto eliminate the conflict between Israel and the Arabs and the Arab world, because it, it will mean that the full majority of the Arab world will have peace and normalization with Israel, definitely the biggest players. But he says that it will not eliminate the conflict with Palestinians. But Palestinians are about one or two percent of the Arab world. So we will close peace with them after in better conditions that we, and I quote, will be able to live with. Now, I think and I hope that he means what we speak in Israel Victory Project for years already, that he will be able to force, enforce Israel's condition on Palestinians and actually defeat them, not negotiate, not giving them concessions, but defeat them and enforcing Israeli conditions on them after he understands that they are, they don't have a, you know, a backup. Now, what he says also is very interesting. He says that Palestinians are the uh, 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 sorry, I forgot. I think the word, but I will. I, I really want to. I, I really want to find and say that because I think this is a very, very important quote. He says that Palestinians are. Uh, the tail wagging the body of of the Arab world. It's very interesting. It it does mean that he gives big credit to Palestinians, big credit to Palestinians, and I think that it again it shows us in Israel Victory Project how how we must concentrate ourselves on the Palestinians and not thinking that they're puppets because we must concentrate on defeating them. And, and, and then the conflict uh, fully will be over and security will, 
it will be provided. And, and the last thing I would like to say, I, ha I hope I have another minute, a very important issue that uh, we uh, we experience now. All the religious parties, all the religious parties demand in the coalitional uh, in the coalitional negotiations, they demand from Likud a change, a major change in the law of return. And I just want to remind you what is the law of return. The law of return is a law that provides uh, eligibility rights for Jews and members of their families to make aliyah, as we call it in Israel, repatriate or immigrate to Israel. Now, who can do that? A Jew, meaning the alachically being Jewish, meaning having Jewish mother, son or daughter for a Jew, meaning second generation, we call it, and a, a third generation. Okay? Now, what all of the, what all of them demand, all the religious parties, is a, to to cancel the paragraph of the third generation. Now it will be a major, major change in the whole conception of who we give the eligibility right to come back to Israel to to make career to Israel. But on but today in the morning happened what I was telling for all these days that Likud will be against. Why Likud will be against? Because it will uh, shut the door, I may say, shut the door with a liberal American jury. Because as we know, the liberal American communities, religious streams, and the biggest of them, the reform one, they, by their law, by the internal Allahic law, they accept those who have Jewish father as fully accepted Jews. By the way, I think the conservatives somehow close to it, but I'm not sure they have a, a Allahic law as reforms for that. And doing that will ruin, will shut the door of relations with this community, which already are very bad because Israel goes to the right in terms of security, in terms of the conflict with the Palestinians, but it also goes very much to the right in terms of politics, religion and state. So if we do that, we will shut the door. And then also the relations between Israel and the United States, even now they are very partisan, but if we do that, it will be even more partisan because all those Jews who support the Democratic Party will be even further, much, much further. So we will we will expand this gap with Democrats and liberal Jews much further. I don't see Netanyahu does that. And today in the morning, he said that Likud will not agree to the change in the law of return. This is a major conflict now in the negotiations. And I just checked, you know, the news and spoke to people just before our talk. So far, there is no even reply or reaction from the religious parties to this statement of Likud. I don't know how it will 
be resolved, but I think that after all, they will just accept it, but they will demand something in return. By the way, I don't know if in the beginning they would really, they, they really wanted to get it or it was something to negotiate. But this is a very interesting issue and that's how it is resolved now and we will see how it's going on later. Uh, I, I took time, right? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we have quite a few good questions coming in. Uh, Carrie Hillebrand asks, in practical terms, how would the proposed change in the law of return impact on Aliyah, especially from Russia and the Ukraine? That's a very, very good question. Um, uh, twice. Once, because you see why the whole issue of uh, the reform in law of return is raised now, because uh, we have now a big wave of immigration, primarily from Russia and Ukraine, because of the war. It apparently this year, the number will be the number of the Olim of the immigrants will be twice uh, from the last year. And what we also see that today, majority about seventy percent of those immigrants today are not allahically Jews, meaning they're second and third generation and their spouses, okay? Uh, which uh, definitely for all those who are very, you know, uh, who worries for the Jewish character of the state is a big concern. Now, there are those who come and say, listen, second and third generation, uh, even if they come with no knowledge uh, about their identity, they develop their identity here. And I can give you a whole lecture about how this right in many many cases and i'll give you i'll tell you even more you know we have a, in in the beginning of the state of israel we have many of those who came who were not allahically jewish and became heroes of the zionism and we didn't count them as 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 not allahically jewish but today because the the character of the state is more and more orthodox so we count allahically so, uh, but, but this government is going to be, you know, the, the most halachic, ultra, not even orthodox, but ultra orthodox government, as it seems. So they want to close it because of what they see. Uh, but I want to tell something that to, to, to our uh, viewers and listeners that the real problem of the third generation is not the problem of the post-Soviet jury. Because first of all, post-Soviet Jewry overall, you know, we, we we tend to think those who hear about the problem of you know non-Jewish Aliyah from the former Soviet Union, if if you dig in, you'll see that the total majority in total, 70% of all the Olim, all the immigrants from the former Soviet Union are logically Jewish. Okay, only 30%. Like in the beginning of the 90s, 93% of the olim of the immigrants were allahically jewish and it, it, it decreased 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 until now and it went until 30. but the real problem would be the reform now let's assume god forbid but don't tell me it's not possible in 5 10 15 or 20 years it will be a big wave of anti-semitism in the united states now those who say it will never happen know nothing about jewish history because Jews were beaten always in the places where they succeeded the most. Okay, it was in Germany, in France, 
in Spain, it's another whole lecture, but that's the fact. So it can happen. It will not happen because only one reason, because I will put my uh, IDF form and come to take the Jews, okay, if they will not come fast by themselves. Uh, so then if big wave of Aliyah of reform Jews will take place, they will come in much bigger numbers of not Allahic Jews, but they will not come as Soviet form of Soviet Jews saying, yes, 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 you're right. You know, we're not good enough. We will, you know, we will do whatever you say because they were not knowledgeable. Reformed Jews of the United States will come and say, no, 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 you don't teach us, we'll teach you. We have institutions, we have money, we have all the structure. You will not tell us how to be Jewish. We will build our institutions within Israel. So it has huge effect on American Jewry. And definitely, if it happens, it can have huge effect on the uh, Aliyah from the former Soviet Union. By the way, not only, again, assimilation is in every community around the world, except maybe, maybe, maybe the only community that has the lowest assimilation rates is France. But it's whole, whole other lecture. Sounds like a fascinating lecture. Uh, Doris Rostraus asks, could you talk about Iran's hand in the latest Jerusalem bombings and other latest terrorist actions and the need for Netanyahu to show he will take care of this without Greer Shmatrich or Ilk? Without what? Uh, the religious Zionist parties. Iran, well, how Iran is involved in the latest terror attacks? Well, we definitely know that Iran is funding all the, uh, you know, all the big terror groups, you know, in 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 one way or another, and supports them. So if you know, you we don't need Iranian regime to be involved in every, you know, every terror attack. We just know that the motivation and the inspiration. And the and the backing for the whole anti-Israeli terror comes uh, uh, from Iran. Now it doesn't mean again it doesn't mean that Palestinians are not motivated by themselves. But much of the money and much of the uh, 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 as I said backing uh, comes from uh, Iran's uh, Iran. So definitely we understand that it's all connected. Uh, if but the fact that this government is very religious doesn't subtract at, a, at any any extent the will to you know to uh, to stop Iran from nuclear weapon. I don't see connection. Maybe you think no, no, no connection. All right, thank you. Jeffrey Chef asks, do you think that an Israeli victory will include Hamas accepting defeat? If we will be strong enough, they will be forced to. You know, it depends on us. As as you know, as Daniel Pipes, I I, I always uh, quote him saying, you know, uh, uh, you know, Japanese were defeated and Germans were defeated, so Palestinians are what Superman having. No economy, no army, no real state. 
So how come we think we cannot defeat them? They're like small militant group. That's it. But what we need is the belief in it within the Israeli society. The problem, after all, is the spirit of Jews, not the spirit of Hamas. I'm sure we can defeat them. It depends on us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Larry Greenberg asks, Netanyahu has declared that Israel will not be governed by the Talmud. Uh, by addressing Likud seculars and those who did not vote for him, has he alienated the religious coalition partners? No, I think he just balances it. He just balances it. But also remember that Likud definitely originally is, you know, right-wing liberal movement. Liberal meaning not religious. Now, majority of Likud voters are very um, uh, traditional, we say. Uh, you know, traditional in, in, in Israel is something... Uh, uh, parallel to conservative movement in 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 America, you know, in, in the, the official name of conservative movement in Israel is Atnoamasoratit. Uh, okay, the traditional movement. So, majority of now who are traditionals in Israel, people you know who don't count themselves as are not identified as religious, but they you know they keep they 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 feel Jewish and they keep Jewish. But they're not, you know, a lachic style of living people. And many, many of Likud voters are like this. And Netanyahu also understands that you cannot really, you cannot, you know, after all, you know, politics, it's always about, a, you know, to what extent you go to the, to the, a, um, to the extreme. And if you go too much to one extreme, it will always balance itself. You know, you can see that in American politics very, very well. So he understands that, you know, he's the potential of his government to go to religious extremists is very high. So he understands that he must balance because if he doesn't balance, it may fall uh, because after all, somebody will just, you know, from Likud will just leave understanding that there is too much pressure from the, from the people and 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 as in Israel, every day when you feel political tension, the channels, the media channels are polling every day. So you can see what's happening, like what what the people feel. And if to and that's what happened, by the way, to the previous government, it fell because it felt the people so if this polling will show to few Likudniks okay that this government went to some extreme too much they they may re, may resign and, and 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 the government will collapse he understands that and he understands that he must balance and he balances you know it's not black and white Nothing in life is black and white. Definitely Judaism is not black and white. The scale is so high and, and he balances it and he does it right for definitely for himself and I'm sure for the Israeli society as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for that explanation. We've come to close our webinar and podcast. Alex, thank you so much for taking time to update us this week. Thank you. And Thank for... you, Stacey. Thank you for all our viewers.
Absolutely. And for stepping in so quickly. Uh, for our viewers and listeners, please join us Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern with Anaf Kalam discussing why do Islamists fake hate crimes? Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful day.